up. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. WHUPLP Hillsboro, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. I am Jeff Shaw, and it is my favorite day of the week. Sunday, the day I get to hang out with my good friend Trevor Hayes and talk about face punching, body kicking, gee grappling, and all manner of other fun stuff. How are you, Trevor? I started doing that gee grappling stuff again. Yeah, you're so back I'm training. covered back in weird bruises, so I'm not sure if I have to talk to somebody about it because I feel very like hurt. You feel, is yeah. is the, Are you sure that's from the gee grappling? No. Okay. I saw my uncle. That's, <laughs> that's dark. <laughs> We're starting dark, ladies and gentlemen. We're com- I forgot. I was probably not allowed on Hillsborough yeah. Air. I forgot about that. We are coming to you live in Hillsborough on 104.7 FM and streaming live on the internet on whoopfm.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to talk to our guest, John Bagels-Telford, here in a second, and we're all very excited about that. Bagels, do you want to say hi to the people? Hello. We'll get into a featured interview with John in 10 minutes. Many of you know John from his work with U.S. Grappling, from his competition career in both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and mixed martial arts, from his role maybe announcing the Bull City Brawl fights, or... He ma- took my job. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bagel steals jobs. That's we, just, a- we just gave you a different job. I know. Okay? Yeah. You, just got, you just got shifted to I a know. different position. I'm yeah. like the guy from... Uh, who's this, the guy from Office Space? The stapler? Yeah, this corporate restart. My, Marvin? Myron? I don't know. No, I don't know. I'm that guy from... Milton. Off- Milton. 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Milton of the... Bull have you, have you seen my stapler? <laughs> yes. Have, have you seen my stapler? That, that's my role at the Bull City Brawl, I feel. They just keep pushing me in the corner, and I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Trevor's victimization by corporate restructuring aside, first we were going <laughs> to... You got victimized by corporate restructuring. It sounds exactly like, what happened. We that. talked about it in one of our many, many meetings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm afraid... Yeah, coffee's for closers, Trevor. <laughs> So, <laughs> I hit a cake on air right now. I caught myself so well. Thank you. Thank you for catching. We don't have a dump button, which mm-hmm. is something we should fix. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk to John. Very excited to talk to John Bagels Telford. But first, we're going to, for about five or ten minutes, we're going to summarize some martial arts news from the weekend. If we missed anything, you folks can let us know. You can also uh, tweet in questions for Bagels. We're on Twitter and Instagram at CagesideWhoop. Intern Chris is going to be tweeting some of the things we say during the show, posting pictures. You can also shout us out using the CagesideWhoop hashtag. Get at us via email, CagesideWhoop at gmail.com, or on Facebook on Cageside Radio. All of this information is on our show page at whoopfm.org. If you miss us, you can always catch the replay either at whoopfm.org or on iTunes or Stitcher where you can download the podcast. You can subscribe there, and if you like the show, please leave leave us a review. So in terms of the news, Trevor, the first thing I wanted to talk about, uh, I went to the Pro Jitsu card. Uh, Pro Jitsu, uh, this promotion, is based out of Wilmington, but this card was at Indian Trail, and it was a blue belt card for 155 pounds and under. It was, uh, And so I uh, rolled out there with some folks, took some pictures, took some video, wanted to sort of report on that event. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Um, I didn't. I, I feel like a jerk because I forgot that was going on. Oh, um, yeah, but yeah. like then I saw like the brackets pop up the week of, oh, and I saw guys like my friend uh, Jeremy from Evolution in mm-hmm. Wilmington. He's actually uh, competed in Muay Thai a bunch, and now he's getting back into Jiu-Jitsu. Guys, blue belt recently. Mm-hmm. I was happy to see that he was on there. Uh, uh, I've gotten no Shelton Sales. He mm-hmm. was there. He's an outstanding wrestler. He's mm-hmm. one of the top kids in the nation, I think. And then um, Andre and and Alex from the area were there. So that was pretty cool to see they went out there and, mm-hmm. and did their thing. I yeah. kind of 
tuned out from it. Oh, no worries. Like you, I'm you, the worst <laughs> co-host. <laughs> no, ever. we we love you, best co-host ever. And I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually glad you mentioned those two guys because I was going to mention not just who won, but also my two of my favorite matches. And those guys had two of my favorite matches. Uh, Jeremy Suizo mm-hmm. had a really exciting match with Marco Fuentes. It was a really entertaining uh, arm lock leg lock battle where both guys almost finished each other, and Marco wound up winning that match. Marco wound up t- taking second, but that was one of my favorite matches. Jeremy Suizo against Marco Fuentes and Shelton had a great match against Alex Cummings, who wound up taking third. Alex wound up uh, finishing Shelton with a triangle armbar, as mm-hmm. he is wont to do. Uh, he's, oh, he's, I know, yeah. those legs for days. Um, the finals match was also really entertaining, but I wanted to name drop those two matches as some of, as some of, some of my favorites. Um, so uh, the results of the event. So Alex Cummings uh, from Team Hoist Gracie trains with me at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, wound up taking third. Really proud of him. He did a great job. Marco Fuentes, who's from uh, Section 8, uh, he, I'd never seen him before. He's a, apparently a very recent blue belt, but has really good leg locks, terrific cardio, really exciting guy to watch. He wound up taking second, and he lost in the finals to Eugene Cabanu, who uh, trains out of Elite BJJ, and he's a and uh, Eugene's just a, a huge dude for that weight class, and was strong and trains hard, and wound up having a really really entertaining series of matches. Oh, Elite out of uh, with John George. Yes. Yeah, John is a nice guy. I like yeah, that guy when I met him. Yeah, and like and like you could tell that like so Eugene fought a lot of tough guys. There were a lot of tough guys in in this field, and uh, you know he fought Andre. Andre Alexandrov also uh, did really really well. I was really happy for him. He and Eugene actually had a very exciting match. That was one of the first matches of the day. It may have been the the first match of the day and Eugene name dropped that as one of his toughest matches so um, I'll finish up here in a second uh, but I talked to Eugene after he won and here I asked him you know what what it felt like to win and who uh, his toughest matches were against and here is what he said how does it feel to win against a bunch of tough guys Ooh, it feels amazing thanks God it gives me the, the power and the strength and the health to train and it feels phenomenal that was the the last one. The, actually, the first one is always the the harder one until you get warmed up. Your adrenaline kicks in, you know, your blood's flowing. The rest of all, they were like easy. You saw like two minutes, I was done. But this one, obviously, the guy is is good, but I'm better, you know. That's why that's why I I keep training like I'm training, you know, and just put in my in my mind and coming and fight with all my heart, you know, like, I know the guys are good, but I always say, I'll be better than them, you know, because that's what I train for, that's my, my passion, you know, and everything I do, I do it from my heart, so that's been when I train, I train with all my heart, you know. So that was a series of really fun matches to watch, and congratulations to Eugene, he won a Gameness Gi, and the rest of the guys in the top three also won Gameness Gift Bags as well. Um, I know that they're going to put up some high-definition video from those matches. I saw them recording it. I took some video of my friends' matches as well. We have a brand spanking new uh, um, Cage Side Concussion Cast YouTube channel, and I'm uploading oh, those yeah, videos. I forgot about that already, too. <laughs> way, to get, way to go, Trevor. I, you know me. I love to drop the ball. It's Between okay. life and relationships. It's all right. I'm, I'm here to take your job today also. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Our new co-host, Josh oh. Bagels Telford. Oh! <laughs> It starts early. I had the two jiu-jitsu guys team up on the Muay Thai guy earlier, so it's like, all right, I'll try to fire back somehow, and then I get choked in the parking lot. 
that's what's cool. Yeah, intern Trevor really had a good point there. <laughs> so God, and, and sh- I, chokes are illegal. Yeah. I would never <laughs> choke somebody. Yeah, chokes are illegal in the in the streets. Um, so <laughs> anyway, been banned. <laughs> so anyway, watch watch the Projitsu Facebook for some of the HD video from that event. Watch uh, for our YouTube channel and our Facebook page for some of the video that I took. I took a lot of pictures that are also up on the website. So if you competed or one of your friends competed, you can check out the Cage Side Concussion Cast Facebook page for all of those pictures. So in other local martial arts competitions news, January 23rd, Trevor, Next Level Fighting Championships, Pro MMA comes back to Raleigh. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that. Um, just uh, great to see new promotions. For the longest time, uh, the Bull City Brawl, the World Combat Federation, has been the show in the area to go to. And, um, and we've always had solid shows, but it's good to have other shows come in the area. And uh, with Next Level, they're really bringing in uh, pros and uh, a handful of local guys. Uh, guys are good friends. DeJuan Owens will be on there. He's the headlining fight. Uh, Keith Bell is coming back to town. Uh, former local guy. Moved to Virginia. Used to be with the Black Zillions. Um, he's fighting Alan Crowder, I believe, who is right from in the Hillsborough area. Uh, and then we also have our friend Daniel Branch from Gracie Raleigh competing. To, uh, it's all pros, all local pros. So Yeah, it's great to have pro MMA. I think, are we going to have those guys on next week? We're going to have Daniel call in, I believe? Or? Yeah, we're going to yeah. try and have Daniel call in. I haven't talked to him specifically, but we will try to have somebody who's on that card call in and promote it. We're also going to uh, post a link where you can get tickets, and I'm I'm going to go to that show. And we'll I'll tr- be there. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what I'm going to do, and you should follow us on Periscope if you have Periscope, which is also Cage Side WHUP. And <laughs> so I'll try and Periscope some of those fights. So if you yeah, I've got a, Dewan is going to be dropping off some tickets to the gym for me to sell. I have, I have a handful of guys, so that want to go terrific so watch watch our facebook for if, if you're interested in getting tickets to that or i'm sure you can check out the next level facebook page and get tickets through there as well that's january 23rd at the dorton arena in raleigh and the final thing for our new segment which is also going to be a great segue under our featured interview with john u.s grappling uh first tournament is in raleigh this year january 16th and it's going to be at dorton arena you must be excited for the the big new venue i am very excited um in the past we've run events at net sports in morrisville and uh great venue Always enjoyed going there and running events and competing there. Uh, we've just outgrown it, which is you know not a not a bad problem to have. So we'll be going to Dorton Arena, a much bigger space, you know, endless seating capacity as you can imagine. Um, should be a great day. We've got quite a few black belts I think coming out to compete this year. As always, we've continued our black belts competing for free option Mm -hmm. which uh seems to bring out a lot of the local competition which is always exciting to come out and watch see your instructors see some of the other instructors from around the area compete um and put it on the line yeah i'm really excited for that event especially i really love the black belts compete free policy because as someone that's a fan of jujitsu to get to see guys compete on that high level and i'll be there as well so i'll be taking pictures i'll be taking video um we'll post some of that to the, to the concussion cast page as well but although we so so we just so that's the news i do have one question on that is yeah. there anything new to look forward to because i know we there's usually a uh, cage side and toro usually is set up anything do you guys have any like uh Sometimes people set up the acai booths. Anything we can look forward to seeing there that's extra special? or Everybody loves the acai booths. Are, so, are we, uh, we going to find some man, lions in the back the left sad, over from the sad fair? moment. There, there will not be any acai oh. in Raleigh, unfortunately. There are Bryce Mahoney, bring acai the, back to Raleigh. <laughs> one, of the, one of the problems you run into sometimes with upsizing to bigger, nicer venues is those bigger, nicer venues, they provide food. And oh, but they provide concessions. So, 
So there, there won't be any acai at the Raleigh event, unfortunately. Because I believe in the, the rule of law and democracy, I would never suggest a black market acai in the Dorton Arena. Are we allowed to possibly bring in giant coolers of <laughs> acai that we might be able to disperse for a possible donation? I will not be commenting on that. <laughs> Gosh! <laughs> well, before our, before our news segment spirals out of control, we're going to po- end the news segment and get into our feature interview with John Bagels Telford. Hang on for 15 seconds, listen to this bumper, and we'll be back with Bagels in 15. Fighting is, is wonderful, man. Fighting is, oh my God, it's, it's literally like a play. You can just be any character you want. It's the Cage Side Concussion Cast on WHUPFM.org. So, John, a lot of people know you from jiu-jitsu, but a lot of people also know you from mixed martial arts, where you had a, a, a successful fight career. And I wanted to ask you, how did you first get into mixed martial arts? Oh, man. So, <laughs> this is an interesting one. So, as Trevor mentioned, uh, World Combat Federation of Promotion in the Triangle um, was started by some instructors of mine, Billy Dowie and Jason Colberth, and a couple other friends. And the first time I got introduced to it was uh, their first show in Greenville. For some reason, I don't know if it was a last-minute thing. I'm assuming it was because I've never done this before. But they asked me to come down and DJ the event, meaning to like play the people's fight songs as they come out. Seems easy enough, right? You know, you just everybody has a list of songs, and you play that song when they come out. So, simple. So I only made a couple mistakes with that that night where you play the wrong music for people. And anybody that's fought before knows that, you know, your walkout music is not important at all. <laughs> so after that experience, the next event, uh, I started taking the job of sitting with the ring girls. And sitting with the ring girls, I had to kind of keep an eye on them and make sure that they, you know, weren't having too many beverages in between the rounds and make sure that they took the proper card, the number card, in each round. Um, Also go and clean up the blood and any mess or sweat that happened in the cage during the fights. So at this fight, a friend of mine, Tim McNamara, was fighting. And I ended up walking upstairs into the locker room to tell Tim good luck before his fight. On the way up the stairs, this guy who was fighting was walking down the steps, like on on his way to the cage. And he, he shoulder bumps me. You know, like the we're in the bar and I'm going to like bump into you kind of thing, right? And he like chest bumps me, buffs up at me. He's, you want to fight me? It's like, excuse me? You want to you fight me in July, I believe is the date he picked. It's like, uh, like MMA? Because at the time, this was, this, I didn't do this. Uh, he said, yeah, 155. It's like, oh man. You know, cause at the time I weighed maybe 146 pounds or so. So I said, uh, okay. So I went upstairs. You know, me, not somebody to normally back down from a challenge, is anybody that knows me. Um, I go upstairs, tell Tim good luck. He goes out, you know, does his thing. I go, to, I go back, and I watch this guy's fight. And this fight, he was fighting Gavin Lefevre. Oh. And I don't know if anybody out there remembers Gavin. Gavin used to train a lot. At the time, Gavin was... And he had some amazing pink Hello Kitty... No, was yeah. it, was it oh, yeah. when he had the pink Hello Kitty yeah. tie shorts? Oh, a but, wrestler wearing the pink Hello Kitty tie shorts. But Gavin was, was tough, great. right? Was, like, yeah. I mean, at the time, I remember like taking a, ju- uh, 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 either a jiu-jitsu or an MMA class, and Gavin was the instructor. Mm-hmm. Like, he was... This guy knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I watched him just beat the brakes off of this guy that wanted to fight me. 
So I said, oh, all right. Well, <laughs> so I thought about it a little bit. And then, you know, the fight ends, and we used to go to Tobacco Road afterwards. And Tobacco Road, everybody would, you know, have their adult beverages. There have been some interesting times at Tobacco Road after a- the fight. After one or two adult beverages, yeah. you know, I started thinking about this, this guy that was wanting to fight me a little bit more. And I found Billy and Jason, and I said, hey, I wanna f- I'm going to fight that guy. That guy said he wants to fight me. Set it up. Let's fight. I'll beat that guy up. <laughs> And they were like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever, okay. And I th- I'm sure they thought, yeah, yeah, he's just had a few too many drinks. Was this something you had talked with Billy and Jason about before? Like, w- w- I want to fight eventually? No. Or, no, it was just this no, guy? No, I was just a guy that was at the gym doing jiu-jitsu and really enjoyed doing jiu-jitsu. I wasn't doing any Muay Thai or any any of that hitting each other in the face stuff. That was way the too rough. That the uneducated people do, Ugh. like myself. <laughs> so I, I told them I wanted to fight this guy. So the next morning I woke up and I thought, surely they think I was just drunk and I was just, I was just you know, talking. So I call them both, 7 a.m. I wasn't drunk last night. I'm going to beat that kid up, set up that fight. And they're like, all right, bagels, we'll set it up. We'll set it up. We'll set the fight up. You can fight. Like, all right, cool. So I need to start gaining some weight. Because at the time I only weighed like 146 pounds and this fight was supposed to be at 155. So I went on the McFlurry diet, and I would go to I would go to McDonald's like two or three times a day and get Oreo McFlurries, which is anybody that knows me now, this is really spiraled into a real problem of Oreo ice cream. Yeah, it's awful. But during this Oreo diet, I would take pictures of all of the amazing things I was eating, and you know the the luxurious meals I was getting to eat because I needed to gain all this weight. And because of social media and the amazing internet that we have now, I was able to tag my opponent, Nakamas, <laughs> in all of these pictures so that every day as he was cutting weight from 170, he could be seeing these pictures and seeing how delicious my food was. <laughs> so that was, that was the beginning of the fight. Um, then right about, I'd say it was about a month, six weeks before the fight, Nakamas and I met each other at a grappling tournament, all right, and I ended up in half guard, stuck on top in Nakamas' half guard, and if you remember my blue belt days, not super good at passing the guard or really doing much, as most people would call it, jujitsu, <laughs> per se. Great at eating flurries at this time. Yeah, yeah, I was good at a couple moves. High level but, brown belt at McFlurry eating, though. Yeah. But. I was good at a couple moves, but actual jiu-jitsu, meh. So I'm stuck in half guard, and I've got Billy behind me, and Jason's in front of me, Jason Colbert. So I turn back to Billy Dowie, I say, Billy, what should I do? And he looks at me like I'm an idiot. He's like, uh, pass the guard, because when you're in half guard, that's the option. You can pass or stay in guard, right? Again, as a blue belt, not too eager to try to pass the guard. I was like, ugh, I don't like that idea. So I turned to Jason Colberth, because luckily when you have two coaches, they're right there. Maybe he's got a different idea. <laughs> so I turned to Jason, and Jason, I said, Jason, what should I do? He said, I don't know, just tickle him. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know, that's Jason. That's Jason. Right? Yeah. But like, so I listened to him, and I kind of tickled his foot a little bit. And he opened his half guard, and I was able to pass. And I ended up sinking a Darsh choke and finishing the match. And again, this was like six weeks or five weeks before we were scheduled to fight each other. 
And I was certain then that I had mentally mentally won this fight with the with the tickle battle. You know, it's long been my goal to win a grappling tournament by Noogie, but I think winning by tickle is maybe even more stylish. It's not allowed anymore. Oh. So they have a bagels rule. Like I, I'm, gl- I'm glad that U.S. grappling has a you can't do all eight divisions anymore rule. Uh, but Otherwise, you wouldn't be here right now. You'd right. be in like hospice. I'd be, yeah, I'd it's be. been made very clear to me that tickling is, is considered unsportsmanlike conduct. Did you tickle him in the fight too? No. So the, so the fight, we got to weigh-ins. <laughs> And I showed up to weigh-ins with a half a gallon of acai and a gallon of Gatorade and got on the scale. I also had a bunch of change in my pockets to make myself heavier because in the state of North Carolina, you have to be within, what's the weight? It's like three or five pounds. Or five. Or so. You, it, ha- you it, have it to be within on the weight class. a certain yeah. weight of each other to fight. And like I said, I wasn't close to 155. I mean, I had tried eating a lot of McFlurries, but... <laughs> You know, the six-pack wasn't having it. <laughs> the six-pack so, was there to stay. So I'm getting on the scale with my, with my acai and my Gatorade to make this weight and, like, staring at this kid that's just dying in the corner from making weight. And we end up in the rules meeting with the referee upstairs. They have all the fighters in one room about two hours or so, hour before the fight. It's real hot, real sweaty, real uncomfortable. Because everybody that's about to fight each other, like, 20 people are sitting in a room together. So Al Coley is going over the – Al Coley's the referee. He's going over all the rules, and he asks if anybody has any questions. So I raise my hand, and I immediately stare directly into my opponent's eyes, and I ask Mr. Al Coley, is tickling allowed? <laughs> he said, well, sh- well, sure, bagels, but I don't know why you'd want to do that. I've won like that before. <laughs> I never broke eye contact with him. And I'm pretty sure right then, boom, it was like the fight was over. We didn't even need to walk to the cage. Like, I had mentally done it. We were, we were you know, mental warfare was complete at that point. And so that was your debut, and how did, that, how did you win that fight? Uh, the fight started. I came out. I threw one overhand right. We clinched. I pressed him up against the cage where he tried to kind of arm in guillotine-inch me, sort of. He did something he saw on YouTube. and He kind of held my head and my arm like he wanted to do a guillotine, but never really tried to do a guillotine, if that makes sense. And then sort of, I, I just kind of kept pressing him up against the cage, and then all of a sudden, poof, like magic, I was in mount. Like the biggest Christmas present ever. And I'm just laying there like, oh man, this is great. Like, I'm just going to hit him some. So I start hitting him, and, like, he just keeps turning away from me. And so, like, I'm trying to hit him. And as I'm trying to hit him, like, you know, he keeps turning, so I'm hitting the back of his head some because he, he keeps turning. Like, I'm not trying to hit the back of his head. I'm throwing the punch at his face, and then while my fist is going from my shoulder to his face, he turns. My fist now hits the back of his head or the side of his head. His corner's screaming. He's hitting him in the back of the head. And his I'm, corner being his mom. His, is, his, is mother, no his mother yeah. and his brother yeah. are screaming. He's hitting him in the back of the head. And I'm really, honestly, trying not to hit him in the back of the head. I remember the ref looking over at him and telling him, nope, those are all fine. And I remember just, Yahtzee, <laughs> and I just unloaded. <laughs> I remember just pressing my hips in. And, you know, in the words of Jason Culver, I remember thinking, about climbing my hips up into that like high mount that you see on the UFC that all the guys do. 
And I remember saying, don't do that stupid mount. He's going to buck you off. Just stay over his hips and beat his face in. <laughs> and man, sure enough, like Jason, always right. Like he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you too. <laughs> Stayed over his hips and just kept hitting him in the face. And they stopped the fight. So that was your debut. What I liked about that, like, I was actually working the cage doors at that fight. And I remember you being like, you had him like at the cage post. And I'm like, man. Bagels has a giant smile on his face right now, and he's just teeing off. And they weren't they weren't soft shots. And like like I even saw like the part you're talking about, like that that light bulb go off, and you're like, oh man, this works really well. And you're just going to town, and they were not soft well, shots at the either. Time, like I'd been doing awesome. all this jujitsu, yeah. and like I'd learned all this cool jujitsu, right? And I was like, oh, man, you can hold somebody down. It's way cooler if you hold somebody down and hit them. <laughs> yeah. Right? You were like a dog at the park, man. Like, it, it was, was really awesome. Cool. And I was like in a cage. People are cheering for me. They're like yelling your name. It's, you know, this is the first time in my life I got in a fight. And they're like, it's okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. There's police right over there. They're watching me. And nobody's pulling out their handcuffs. Yeah. They're totally okay with this happening. This is a great experience. And so you had that experience repeatedly after your debut. You ended up uh, holding the belt. And uh, how many total fights did you have? And are you are you done? I then? fought seven times. I finished six and one. Um, you know, it's tough to say if I'm done. I it, it got to be. I stopped fighting amateur at the time and relinquished the belt. Um, I was essentially fighting. We were digging for opponents for me to fight. It. Got to be aware, you know, my my initial goal was never to be MMA world champion, to do MMA. That just spiraled out of this punk kid talking smack to me in a stairwell and feeling the need to, like, set the record straight on that. After that first fight, it ended up that I was able to get a couple sponsors and a couple people started financially supporting me to do that. So fighting was a means of not working my regular job. <laughs> not making people's breakfast every day, which was great. And, you know, I didn't necessarily want to be fighting and want to be doing that every day, but I definitely would have rather done that than go punch a clock somewhere. Let's talk about your job making people's breakfast, because I think that leads into how you got the nickname Bagels, which is something that I think a lot of people have wondered about. For sure, yeah. Everybody everybody thinks that there's going to be some amazing story or, for some reason, Parents always think that there's going to be some sort of dirty or inappropriate story as to my name. And I don't really necessarily understand that. I mean, bagels have a hole in them. Other than that, I don't, I don't get, like, the sexual innuendo or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but everybody thinks there's going to be some kind of crazy story about the bagels. There's not. Um, People start, expect, like, a cherry pie story from, like, American yeah, Pie. They, yeah, yeah. They, they so, expect something, something like that. that the, like, the, the parents not. will ask me, like, so what does the what does the name Bagels come from? And then they'll, like, cover their kids' ears. And they're like, <laughs> is it appropriate to say in front of them? Like, well, yeah. Uh, what, what could it be? What were you thinking? <laughs> like, but when I was 16, I got a job at Brugger's Bagels in Durham. Um, and I worked there until I was 23. So seven years with a couple breaks in between intermittently. Um, Brugger's... You know, as much as it stinks to, you know, make people's food and stuff, at the time, working that job really made it possible for me to excel in jiu-jitsu and MMA at the time. Um, I was a baker, so I made all the bagels in the morning. So I was able to go in at 4 a.m. or so, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and I would work until like 10 or 11, and then I would leave and drive from Durham all the way to Raleigh 
and train with Billy and Jason. And then I'd come back and finish my shift and, like, do what I needed to do there to, like, clean up whatever I didn't finish up. Um, but it was really nice to be able to, to go work early in the morning, kind of make that sacrifice to be able to play the rest of the day, if you will. There's that word, kids. Sacrifice. Mm. <laughs> yes, sacrifice. A lot of people. Like sacrificing, like, live chickens or, like, sacrificing, <laughs> like, sacrifice throws? Are we talking about judo now? Anyway, judo. Uh, yeah, I thought people you know, just sat down these yeah. days. You don't know how good my jujitsu is. Like, so no, it's just the, the sacrifice because, like, we talked about. Did we talk about last week on when Chris was on? I think uh, about just people need to sacrifice to get like where you are now. This is now your full time gig because you start off with those years of sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, it's, you had to do a job that. It's making food and crap like that, and now here you are. Right, and, like, there's, you know, there's different sacrifices. By by no means did I go through any sort of, like, terrible life experiences or anything like that. But there was a point in time where, you know, I would go to work in the morning, stand on my feet all day, go train really hard. If anybody's ever trained for a fight with Jason Colbert before, you know the definition of being overtrained <laughs> and being prepared. He used to put us on the aerodyne, Ooh. and if the needle dropped below seven, Max Dorn and I, he would just start hitting us in the face. He would while yelling and cursing at us. He does it. <laughs> it's tough love. Did he? Did he bite you? I mean, if he didn't bite you, he then never it's not bit really me. Bad. But he used to do this thing, these things where he would like hold you down, like doing MMA, and he wouldn't. He was never trying to finish the fight. He would just like take his knuckle and punch you in the tricep. Or, like, punch you in the back of your calf or in the armpit. He's just a, an evil, evil man. <laughs> he really knows how to bring the pain. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and you know, and uh, if you know anything about Jason Culberth, you know he's not insulted by what Bagels is saying. He's proud of it. Oh, man, he's, he is so happy right now at home. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. So uh, what is the difference? He diff- still runs practices like that, too. In the mornings, <laughs> when we when we run practices together, Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings, like guys from other gyms come in going, this is mean. <laughs> and then Jason will go off like, it's a fight. What do you expect? You have a better Jason voice than I do. Man, I remember him I remember him tying Max Dorn and myself. He tied our front legs together with like a, a one-foot or two-foot piece of rope so he couldn't get away from each other. And then just had us beat the crap out of each other for three-minute rounds. Like a three-legged race sort of thing? No, like, like, like we got in our stance, and oh. our front, our, like if we were both orthodox, our left legs would be t- feet would be tied together so that you couldn't back away or move away from each other. You essentially just stood there and swung at each other like idiots. And, and you, you guys aren't the only ones that he's done that to at Forge. He's the, done that to several people. <laughs> the common saying, you'd always hear him and Billy yell, they'd yell, little blood never ruined a friendship. Every time. And I remember every time after they said it, the first time, Billy yelled, a little blood never ruined a friendship. Five seconds later, you heard, ah! <laughs> and it was Owie Nate, Nathan Newber's face exploding. <laughs> oh, my God. It was bleeding everywhere. And I, I remember, I think I was actually sparring with Max then, too. And I was like, there went a friendship. <laughs> 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 so you've trained with Billy and Jason for many years, and you've trained for fights with them. You've trained for jujitsu competitions with them. What is the difference for you, or maybe for the, with training for jujitsu versus training for a fight? <sighs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> Jiu-jitsu's fun. Jujitsu is fun. MMA sucks. Like, <laughs> I mean, people ask why I don't do MMA anymore, and like one of the biggest reasons, and what I try to tell like younger fighters coming up, it's man, sparring is fun. Like. Hitting pads, that's fun. Like, 
all that jazz, that's cool. You know, that's all fun. Doing hill sprints, not fun. Prowler sprints, not fun. Cutting weight, not fun. Like, standing on the wall while somebody punches you in the stomach and you just take it, not fun. Like, all the things that go into preparing for a fight outside of technique are very not fun. Speaking of uh, cutting weight, we did have a question from Dave Porter who wanted to know how you stay skinny uh, given that you have access to the baked goods of of Yellow Bear Bakery. Ah, my amazing, amazing girlfriend, Miss Beverly. You guys are... Totes adorbs, by the way. We are totes adorbs. Yeah. You're, you're, you're the it couple of the jiu-jitsu scene around we here. We are the it couple. I mean, what can I say? Like, we, we are just it. Like, yeah. so, so Beverly, who trains at Revolution BJJ up in uh, Richmond, Virginia, also uh, does baked goods. And she's been kind enough to bake me even some vegan things, which are amazing. And the non-vegan things are even more I amazing. I don't support those. I understand. Well, I, you know. I don't either. I don't know. I, she likes me better than you, Bagel. This is probably true. <laughs> but, like, so so is there, like, I, I think Dave's poor, Dave. I mean, obviously, Mr. Porter's question was a little bit sarcastic and jealous, given that he has to cut weight and eats ice cubes for lunch. But like, how do you, is there a way that you manage that, or are you just lucky to have the metabolism? That- so I can answer that part, that question in two parts. Um, one, with we'll start with weight cutting. Um, I do get questions a lot about how do I make weight, and the answer is you just make weight. Like, so <laughs> I tell people all the time, you just like you tell yourself the weight you need to weigh. And then you go get on the scale, and you like you look at it, and then it says that, and you made your weight, you made it, good job, you did it, right? That's all there is to it. And if you're not making weight, maybe you need to think about it some more, like put some more thought into it about how you should make weight. Um, ice cream is a good option for cutting weight; it's always worked for me. The second question is dealing with the baked goods. So we are, as Trevor said, the it couple because we are just so amazing. The only argument that we have ever had in our relationship that I can remember, real argument, is one time I kind of kind of was being a butt, but I kind of yelled at her about bringing bait goods to my house all the time. Because every time she would come, she would bring these, like, ridiculous boxes of amazing. Oh and, like, this was just so much. Like, and I'm obviously going to eat it all, right? But if it wasn't there... I wouldn't eat it all, mm-hmm. right? So now what Beverly has done, being such an amazing girlfriend, she rations them out for me. So she has frozen baked goods in Richmond that she keeps in her freezer, and she brings them down to me in these like pre-portioned frozen packages so I can take, them out of, take one cookie out of the freezer at a time and let it thaw and then eat it. But then, because all the rest are frozen, I can't eat anymore, right? If that's not love, I don't know what is. She yeah. really she really right? puts a lot of love into me. Yeah, she does. Everybody wow. who struggles to make weight is storming the studio right now. I'm just glad we don't give out the combination because yeah. we probably have a bunch of angry wrestlers <laughs> and jujitsu people that are like, ah, bagels. It's magic. I, I, don't, I don't really know. It's, uh, you know, making weight, the more and more I do martial arts and have to make weight, the easier it becomes for me. A lot of people have the opposite opposite feeling they feel like the more they cut weight it kind of gets tougher after a while Mm -hmm. i I think it's just kind of being in touch with your body you know training and understanding how food affects your body how different foods affect your body how often and and that brings up a good topic because like uh growing up wrestling and you'll see guys that stop wrestling that get out of weight cutting like uh you kind of fall into the habits of just eating crap where it is like you you stay so active so do you think that you staying so active in competition is what keeps that focus on your diet staying so clean. 
So whoa, whoa. Let, not. let's not confuse okay, not like into super thinking clean that I have a clean diet. Compared to like not eating people, like people are going to be flipping out right now. And... My diet is pretty not good. Oh, is it right now? Yeah. I don't know. Like if anybody follows I st- me, I on stare Facebook, at pizza and gain weight. They so. Cold Stone the other day. I walked oh, they in. Know, and yeah, they were that's true. Hey, bagels. You want your your sweet cream with Oreo, the extra large size? I'm like, yeah. yeah. You mean the gotta love it size? Because I do. <laughs> so it, I think it's more to do with well outside, the outside of your okay. So it's you know, jujitsu is such a great activity, such a physical activity. I spend so much time every day on the mats. You know, on any given day, I'm I'm on the mats for between three to five hours or so. You know, sometimes maybe a little bit more. Between training, teaching, teaching kids, teaching privates, I spend a lot of time on the mats exerting energy. Well, and besides your sweet tooth, what's your diet like? Your outrageous, outrageous sweet tooth. I eat so you know the things I avoid the most. I mean, I just I don't eat I don't eat bread really. I don't eat. Um, I try not to eat a lot of glutinous carbs. I eat rice stuff whenever possible. R- rice crackers, rice cakes, um, brown rice. I don't eat a lot of. You know, I call them I call them like fluffy carbs. Anybody that's known me for a long time and knows my like weight cutting description, but that, that right got there like, makes you've like got a like big fluffy difference. carbs and you've got like okay carbs. So like for in, in a bagel's mind, in my twisted mind, you've got carbs like say we had like a Snickers bar right here, and there's some sugar in that Snickers bar, and there's definitely some carbs in that Snickers bar, and then maybe you got like a pile of mashed potatoes or a pile of bread. Right, there's definitely not as much sugar in the bread, but that bread's fluffy, and in my mind, those fluffy carbs are gonna hold all that water and hold all that weight. That Snickers bar, if I stuck that in the water, it's not gonna hold any water. Bagels so you got is- fluffy carbs and sticky carbs. I think Josh Murdoch right now might be having a seizure listening to. If he's listening, he's having a seizure with your explanation on this. Bagels well, no, is available like you, for nutrition. You privates. staying away from all that that bread and pasta and stuff like that. That makes right. a huge difference. Where like me, I love bread and I love pasta. Hence my my muffin top. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bread, like, it's super filling for me. Like, if I ate, like, a little bowl of pasta, even just a little bit, I wouldn't even eat the rest of my meal. I'd be so full. Yeah. It's all that fluff, them fluffy carbs. I'm telling you. <laughs> just stay away from them fluffy carbs. So let's talk a little more about the difference between MMA and jiu-jitsu. Um, you uh, are very involved with U.S. grappling, played a variety of roles. In addition, uh, John, uh, as we announced during our statistics show, John is the winningest competitor uh, of U.S. grappling matches, you know, partially because you're at all the tournaments, but that's awesome. I want to talk to you a little bit about the difference between competing at Purple Belt and competing at Brown Belt, if there is a difference, and the difference in competing at U.S. Grappling versus competing at other tournaments like IBJJF tournaments, where you've also been very successful. Um, where do you want to start? Let's start with the difference between Purple and Brown Belt. Have you noticed the difference? Okay, so that's a tough one for me. Um, you know, the big difference is I get to do a lot of awesome things now. Um, one of the things that was really frustrating for me at Purple Belt and at Blue Belt, um, whether it was on the local scene or, or higher up, I, I noticed it a lot more on the international scene, was not being able to break people's feet. I wanted to break people's feet because the game people are playing is they want to play Barambola, they want to play Delahiva and play this leg spaghetti and tie you all up. Well, below Brown Belt, you... You're very limited in your ways of untying those knots. These people are able to just put their feet right in front of your face, and you can't just snap them in half. And for me, somebody that likes breaking feet, 
that was very, very frustrating, you know, not to like make excuses or whatnot, but very frustrating losing matches in positions where guys have me just, you know, leg spaghetti tied up and I could easily just break their feet. But because I'm wearing this one belt and not a different belt, I can't do that. And I have to just sit here until the time runs out waiting for this to happen. So for me, that was one of the bigger upsides of purple to brown belt was being able to have a lot more attacks and a lot more options. Um, as far as competing on the local scene, there's outside of the footlock attacks, there's not a whole lot of difference only for me, only because just about everybody that I was competing against at purple belt got promoted to brown belt before me. So now I'm just competing against the same people again at brown belt that I was competing against at, at purple belt. Sure. You had a, like on the on the national scene, you had a lot of success at purple belt and you won I believe the New York Open at purple belt and uh, the, you, among other accolades that we can we can talk about if you want. Yeah, yeah, uh you know, I I've, I've had some, not nearly as much as I would have liked and not you know the my success is not indicative or representative of the amount of time I put in in the international scene, if that makes sense. I started, the first international tournament I went to was the Pans as a blue belt, um, at which time, back in the days of not passing guard and just doing a couple moves, I thought I was going to go to California and Darsh choke every single person there. Well, that didn't work, <laughs> and so I lost in the first round there, you know, flew all the way to California, got a hotel, was there for a week, you know, on my bagel salary at the time. I believe, actually, my parents, yes, my mother and father um, funded this trip to California, my amazing parents, in exchange for me painting their house, which I did part of it. But then jiu-jitsu kind of got in the way, and I never really finished because I had to keep training. Um, so I went all the way to California, lost first round, you know, didn't get to get on the – on the podium, didn't get to make my profile picture, the the podium thing like everybody does, right? Um, ended up going to Chicago, Boston, the Pans again, the Abu Dhabi trials, and New York. Never won. Never medaled. Flew to all these places, stayed in hotels, Never meddled. Was that still? Was that just the blue belt saga? Blue just, belt and purple belt. Yeah. And this was like this was rough for me because, you know, at the time the local scene, I was, you know, it was like you were doing very go well. win four gold medals at an event. Like, okay, well, I don't understand why this isn't translating. Why am I able to win so well here, do so well here, but then it's like I'm not even competitive on this next level. I'm. I'm not even getting a, not even getting a bronze medal. No. So, you know, it was a, it was a long time. Um, Purple Belt Atlanta Open, two three years ago, something like that. The first time they did the one in Atlanta, I believe. Um, I ended up flying down there the day of the event with my buddy John Pappas. We flew down that morning, walked into the venue, and ended up competing. Um, ended up. Had some good matches. I ended up choking my first person, first person unconscious at that event. I choked him unconscious inside his closed guard with an Ezekiel <laughs> choke. That video is online, I believe. Josh Wentworth put that up. Um, that was one of those. It was it was August, and 
I'd been doing Ezekiel August. That was the move of the month. <laughs> and that tournament fell on August 31st, which was the very end of August, <laughs> which was great. So I got to got to hit the Ezekiel and put somebody out with it. And I ended up taking third place there for the first time, which was, for me, was huge. Just to be able to, like, step up on the podium and finally feel some form of success after traveling all over the country, spending thousands and thousands of dollars on this and not really, not ever winning. Like, you know, and you know, you're not in it to win, you're in it to learn. But at the same time, like, if you don't want to win, you're going to lose. Like, you show me the person that doesn't want to win, I'll show you a loser, right? That's how that works. So from then I ended, the next tournament I ended up doing was uh, the New York Open. And the New York Open that summer, this is one of the, the toughest event I think I've ever competed in as far as grappling tournaments. Only because, I'm not going to point any fingers here, but I believe somebody, IBJJF, did not pay for the air conditioning to be run oh, in, in the venue in New York. And anybody that was in New York at that at the New York Summer Open remembers how insanely hot it was in there. And I remember winning my first match and maybe my second match after my second match and sitting up against those yellow barricades that surround the mats everybody knows about. And I'm leaned up against it dying. I'm dead. And I remember leaning back. My girlfriend Beverly was behind me and Schmalix Cummings was right there too. We'd ridden up together. And I looked up at him in this haze with the most, the only time I'd ever thought this in my life. Like, guys, I don't, I don't think I can, I don't think I can keep going. Like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this. I'm dying. Like, I don't think I can move. I'm dying. It was insanely hot in there. I was super dehydrated. I'd been throwing up in this trash can next to me, trying to hide from the IBJJF officials to do it because they'll like give you the boot for that. So ended up going back out and. In the finals, catching a straight arm bar from close guard, from a, inside a guy's close guard again on top and finishing. I know. To the two. That's a very low two, percentage move. The first them. two IBJJF medals I won, I won with submissions from inside someone's close guard, which in no way is an instructional or telling you to do that. This was me in a position that I was so tired and I was just dying by the sword. Like, I'm going to keep this, and he's either going to tap or he's going to take my back or do something else. And luckily, he tapped, which was great. Um, finally get that first gold medal at IBJ IBJJF event was huge for me. Yeah, it sounds like it, especially after like putting in all that work and effort and time. What do you think the difference was? Was it just experience? Was it just like being on that stage? It's all mental. It's all... You know, the mat's the same. People do jiu-jitsu in Chicago. People do jiu-jitsu in Raleigh. People do, do jiu-jitsu in California, right? They're not aliens. They're not doing something completely insane. YouTube is everywhere, right? So, like, all everybody's doing the same stuff pretty much. Um, for me, it always came down to mental and the pressure I put on myself. Once you start to look at, you know, the price of airfare and hotel and renting a car if you need to, and, you know, food, registration. Now it becomes, you know, not so much like I would like to win for me. It becomes I need to win to justify these expenses, mm -hmm. you know, justify how much money I'm, I'm spending here when I work at Brugger's. Like, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm rolling in the dough to go waste this kind of money, mm -hmm. right? So 
that was that was one of the bigger pressures, you know, is you know, you're you're spending all this money going across the country or going wherever you're going and it, it's all going to come down to 4 minutes, 5 minutes, 7 minutes, however long your match is, right? When that match ends, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. man. The easy answer to this question would be the finals of the New York Open, but I want you to l- reach a little further. What is your favorite match? Do you have a favorite jiu-jitsu match that you can point to, either gi or no gi? <sighs> man. We're not going to hold you to the answer. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can come up with a favorite. Um, most people... You know, most people that have that know me closely and have been around me like closely when I'm competing, like close to the time I'm competing, know that like even though like a lot of people think that I'm sort of a very competitive and somewhat like stoic, if you will, like I just go on the mat and compete and it it doesn't bother me at all. I am an absolute wreck. People that know me, I am so nervous before competitions. I like do the nervous pee a million times. I throw up sometimes still to this day. Like competition drives me crazy. I hate it. And I hate it so much that it drives me to want to conquer it. Like my desire to to compete is, you know, winning is awesome, but beating the fear of competing is way better than that. If I can overcome the fear or whatever anxieties I have, about stepping on the mat and doing this, I can do anything else, right? As, as far as what I've done in life, the only thing that ever, like, makes me go, <gasps> and maybe go throw up in a trash can, stepping on the mat and competing at a high level. Uh, I don't know why, just that's what happens. The day that I can beat that, you know, that's going to be a great day for me. That's a tremendous answer. So, I, so deep. Well, seriously, like, I, I mean, I think, I think people, I think that's a valuable answer for people. So I think a lot of new folks assume that that goes away. You no, know? it's just poker face, man. Poker face. Yeah. Talk about it all the time to people. Whether you're stuck in a triangle or you're getting arm barred or you're about to walk over and fight Muhammad Ali. Man, you got to put on a, a face on like, you. okay, I'm ready to do this. You're not bothering me, right? That guy's choking you and you make some squeamish little face. He going to keep choking you. Mm. You look him dead in the eyes like, yeah, you're not bothering me at all. They gonna let go a lot of times. Ask Blaine about it. Blaine Turnmeyer, I and Will Phillips. I get all of them with a poker face. Will Phillips, white belt for life, and a, pur- a purple belt Blaine Turnmeyer at a Greensboro Combat Sports. Both have had me in deep triangles, dead to rights, and I just give them this look, like meh, the meh look, right? Yeah, I was thinking, and that- they just let go because they think it's not working. I always think of that photo of Hobson Mura who's caught in a knee bar with Jeff Glover and it looks like Hobson's knee's about to explode and he's looking over at Jeff Glover as if they're playing uh, tiddlywinks. Like, <laughs> I ain't even mad. I There's ain't... a good picture, or there was at one time, of uh, Bumpkin, Jason Wingate, at a Gracie Raleigh. Oh. He had a submission-only match. Yeah, and they were kind of in this like reverse cowgirl position for like 30 minutes. And Bumpkin at one point just puts both of his elbows on the mat and like props his chin up <laughs> yeah. and just lays uh, there right. forever. I remember that being great. Just like, uh, that poor guy. And the the guy was just like trying to break Bumpkin's feet and legs and Bumpkin's just up half asleep. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get hate tweets from Chrissy Lindsay because you said reverse cowgirl. Oh but yeah, that's not, not a word. Not allowed not to say that anymore. Yeah. Well so if you don't have a if you I mean I, I thought that answer was terrific. If you don't have a favorite jujitsu match, do you have a favorite uh, of your MMA fights? Um, it would have to be either my fight with CJ Murdoch, uh, was my second MMA fight. I believe it was his first, I mm-hmm. think. His first. And my first title fight with Lucas Burwell. Um, 
Both fights I've never seen, never seen footage of. So if anybody out there listening to this has footage of either of those fights. I sat cage side for both of them. I'd love to watch yeah. both of those. <laughs> um, my fight with CJ, at the time I didn't know who he was, didn't know anything about him. I got uh, Billy, you know, approached me. We got another fight for you. This is shortly, this is the very next card after Nokomis, my first fight. I was like high on the MMA. Like, oh man, all these people started cheering when I was beating that guy. Let's do this again. So like, all right, we're going to have you fight this guy. He thinks he knows a little bit of jiu-jitsu, but he, whatever. He's, he's not really good. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So like, this guy's going to think he knows jiu-jitsu. Well, I know jiu-jitsu. So this will be a great fight for me. We get there, and we're weighing in, and I look over, and there's CJ. And like, again, I'd never met CJ or his brother before. And I'm like, man, these guys they got a lot of tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> man. And if you know anything from watching the UFC... You know that the guy with the most tattoos is the toughest, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, oh Always. god, I don't have any tattoos, <laughs> man. You didn't even have sweet hair at the time. He's got, I mean, like if you've just seen CJ without a shirt on, he's got like Loaded. an amazing set of chest tattoos that are like kind of intimidating. So I'm like, all right, well, he's obviously not some little kid. You can't be a kid and get all those tattoos. <laughs> so then I'm like, I'm, I'm a little nervous. We get on the scale, everything's fine. We're backstage. They used to walk everybody out and do the national anthem before the fights. And I look over, and this dude, this dude that they told me like thought he knew a little jujitsu, man, he is wearing a tattered purple belt. And I was like, oh, whoa! And I start yelling at Jason Colbert. I'm like, Jason, what the crap, dude? Like, <laughs> you told me this guy like like just thought he knew a little jujitsu. He's wearing a purple belt, like. It's all tattered. Look at it. Like he's obviously got to be good. He's like, it don't matter. It don't matter. <laughs> he's like, here, how about this? You, you break his arm, I give you a strike. <laughs> like, what? But let's go back to the fact that you told me this guy didn't really do jujitsu, and he clearly does. And I'm kind of caught up in this. So like, I go out, and the whole fight. I don't even know if you'd call it a fight. No, it was. It a was grappling like a. Match. It was like was a. No, nah, yeah. no. Nah, there's submissions in grappling matches. Yeah, you it guys, was like a snuggle fest. It, yeah, it was boring. It is tempting to snuggle with CJ though. He's but, very huggable. But yeah. like, at some point, I I still hadn't been hit yet. So my first fight, I hadn't really been hit yet. I didn't get hit at all in the face. And then my second fight. Up until, I want to say it was maybe the second round, it was like this light bulb went off in CJ's head. And he was like, oh, man, I can punch and kick this dude, too. And he started kicking me so hard. It's like, oh, I'm so happy he wasn't doing that the whole fight. <laughs> but then we kind of went back to just, like, snuggling each other on the ground. And this was before CJ would get on top of people and beat them up. And he would just beat them up on the ground. And I was, I was okay with just laying there. So two people that were okay to lay there led to a very non-exciting fight. Well, we have about five minutes left with John Telford, and I want to ask just a couple more. There's one more question, which can dovetail with other stuff. You teach the kids' classes at Forge Fitness in Raleigh. You've also, you teach private lessons in the 6 a.m. jiu-jitsu. I'm wondering about how that fits in with your goals for the future. Do you still have competition goals that you're setting, or have your goals shifted to be more of an instructor, or how do, the, how do those two things work out? No, my, my end goal is the same as it's always been. My end goal is to be black belt world champion. I want to be the best. Anybody that knows me knows that I want to be the best. You know, heads only can only get so big. you got to actually be the best at some <laughs> point. You can't just say you're the best. You have to try to be the best. So my, my end goal is to try to, you know, keep working and working towards the goal of being world champion, being the best in the world. 
Um, along with that, you know, I love teaching. I love I love sharing what I've learned, especially with the kids class. You know, teaching kids is very rewarding. Teaching adults is nice too, but teaching kids is great. They don't question what you say. You say do this, they do it. Right? Qu- adults they always want to ask questions. Well, why? And what if this? And what if that? And, and why are you no, on my just, chest, just punching just me do in the it. face? Like, <laughs> just do it. Go do it. And kids are great for that. They just believe in you. You say, go go over there and run into the wall with a bunch. You're like, okay, well, Mr. Because Bagels. they're still watching cartoons on YouTube instead of YouTube instructionals. Exactly. And so are we, though. But it's so. really more of, you know, whatever. They just have a faith. Like, Mr. Bagels said to, you know, grab the arm this way. This means that this is how you have to grab the arm. Versus adults that are, well, what if what if he has, a, you know, a, he's an amputee and he doesn't have an arm there. And then yeah, what if he, gosh. what if the, what if, you know, no what ifs. It's great. <laughs> what if I have diarrhea? Well, don't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, nobody gets here alone, and I know that you're uh, you have some really supportive sponsors, and I'm wondering if you have anybody like your instructors, your sponsors that you want to thank in our last couple minutes. For sure. Um, you know, from the beginning, Toro BJJ, Cage Side Fight Company. Everybody knows uh, James, Mr. Boomer, Hogaboom. Or however he says his name name these days. Dale Jr. I still think I still think he was the best guest y'all had on the show so far. <laughs> he was incredible. Sean Zoria and I listened to that on the way to Richmond and we're dying the whole way. Um, he's supported me from the very beginning. Uh, Brian and Chrissy Lindsay, as well as Andrew Smith, for taking me in and essentially giving me a job. They go out of their way to find things for me to do so they can give me money dollars, which is awesome. You know, money to have to have people that believe in you. And are willing to support you constantly is is really awesome. Um, my mom and dad, one of the biggest supporters. You know, a lot of people ask me what helps me win a lot of these local tournaments. Man, it's because my mom is always there. Like, if you go to almost any U.S. grappling tournament outside of Chicago, Rochester, and Delaware, my mother and father are sitting mat side supporting me every time. And that kind of support, you know, is invaluable. It, it's it means nothing to you know just look over at my mother. And my father and see, oh, mom and dad are here. It's like I'm six playing soccer. Got to make him proud, right? You can't lose in front of mom. Yeah, when I bre- oh, let me break in just for a second and say when John took his first super fight at the Toro Cup, the first thing he asked me was, can you save two mat side seats for my parents? That's right. Mom and dad. Got to show out they, for the parents. They're going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. My amazing girlfriend, Miss Beverly Huang, always taking such good care of me, providing endless massages and really just, you know, for being somebody that's in medical school and has a very, very full plate is always right there to support me and be by my side and help me try to reach my goals also. Um, Formation Studios for helping me get strong. Forge Fitness for teaching me all them jujitsus. <laughs> and Access Health Chiropractic. Oh, uh, Dr. Jason is Dr. The Jason man. Williams. Um, that dude keeps everyone from Forge. 1517 Old Apex Road. This yeah. guy has really like turned my life around and fixing things that you know have been plaguing me throughout my career. So all these people, I, I can't thank enough for helping me get to where I am now. And we want to thank you, John Bagels Telford, for an awesome interview. It's great having you in the studio. I thought this was really fun and would love to do it again sometime. Next week, January 17th, tune in. It'll be our good friend Cody Malte, who's opening Elevate MMA Academy Woo-hoo! on February yeah. 1st. Don't get wrist locked. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> wrist locks and guillotines. Wrist locks and guillotines. It's going it's to be fun. Well, John, John, thanks again for all you do for the local grappling and MMA scene. It's really great to talk to you. Trevor, do you have anything you want to tell the people? 
He smells good in person too. It's really true, and he has great hair, he has which we'll post. Hair, it's great. <laughs> we'll post photos of the hair to the website as always. I want to thank intern Chris for live tweeting and live Instagramming during this show, which we hope to do more of. He was too busy on Snapchat. He's lying. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him. I saw, I saw him. him. Yeah. <laughs> my thanks to our guest John Bagels Telford. My thanks to my co-host Trevor, intern Chris, and of course all of y'all for listening. We're gonna talk to Cody Malte next week, and we're gonna let Tune and the Real Law play us out. You're listening to WHUPLP Hillsborough, 104.7 on the dial and on the web at whupfm.org. That's whupfm.org. The following program about musicians and the music.